Hello and thank you so much for joining me again on the Mad Moon podcast with me, your host, Katie Moon. So I am actually surprisingly feeling pretty bloody brilliant. So this is the end of my first week of being redeployed. Um, By the way, obviously working shifts, being a little bit busy and um, I am a scatty person anyway, let's just throw that out there. None of this is in sync. So my recordings, when I edit and what I talk about. So I'm just going to roll with it until, you know, I make it to number one on the mental health chart and hopefully Charlie, who edited and produced the high-low, gets in touch and says, yeah, let's work together and he sorts my life out for me. That's the plan. So anyway, back to whatever I was waffling about. This is the end of my first week after being redeployed to the intensive care unit. And I thought I was going to really struggle with my mental health, which I have. It has been a really tough week, but I don't want to focus on that right now. I just want to focus on the positive, which is being exposed to that level of anxiety and death and sadness and just all the trauma, basically, from not only patients but my colleagues and staff around me has just made me feel so insanely and incredibly grateful to be alive healthy it's given me like a boost of motivation I needed and I've done a workout this morning and I just I just feel like I've got a new lease for life I've never felt a breath of fresh air like it when I first left the hospital after that first 13 hour shift I mean I just can't explain it. I just feel so grateful. And the people I've worked with, I can't put into words how lucky we are and how amazing and brave and kind and compassionate the nurses are and the healthcare assistants and the doctors and just everybody that is just mucking in, all hands on deck. It's just, it's fantastic. It's amazing. We're so lucky. I feel so lucky. I feel so grateful. So enough about me and my week. Today's guest is Isabel. Isabel is actually currently off sick due to stress and anxiety. Um, She gives a really, really open and honest um, insight, really. And we just explore the last few years and how that's been for her. So she is a paediatric nurse I believe she's into her third year of being qualified she lost a loved one and that triggered a lot of anxiety for her and it's now caused her to have a lot of anxiety about losing her dad and the pandemic itself and Covid has now caused her to develop what I'm sure is OCD and she refers to as OCD the excessive washing of our hands and cleaning things down and just that real fear of of catching the virus and giving it to a loved one um so we have a really really open conversation about that um I won't waffle on too much I will let you listen to myself and Isabel and thank you again for listening so here we are hi are you okay not too bad thanks you Uh, yeah good thank you so welcome to the mad moon podcast we're very excited to have you here Um, everybody that's listening i think this is probably going to be episode three and we have got the lovely isabel with us so i have been starting these podcasts with how do we know each other and asking my guests to kind of say a story of how we know each other but we don't know each other nope <laughs> <laughs> we don't have a story I mean the we only story well, we, we do a bit have, yeah we have we do we do have a little bit of one so was it a friend or someone put you in contact or said mess or message Katie Moon or yeah so a friend um my best friend uh was like oh you should go on Instagram and follow Katie Moon and she's like do you remember from her from school I was like no <laughs> she was like she was a couple of years above us I was like no and then she was saying would well, you remember so and so I'm like no 
and yeah that's basically so I thought oh I'll go on because she said you're uh, a nurse and stuff and you were doing up this podcast so I thought you know what let's go let's give you a little follow on Insta <laughs> and that's that's how it started basically yeah. so yeah so it's strange that like you say we went to school together I know we were different year groups and my boy yeah. Sam is always like we didn't go to school with them then if they were a different year group you didn't go to school with them <laughs> and I'm like but our school was really small like other schools yeah. in Coventry had like what I don't know like 10 tutor groups per year and each tutor group had 30 students whereas we only had like four or five small tutor groups four or five year, yeah we? we were we, I think we yeah, were it was like only small two, really so yeah strangely enough our story is we went to school together but neither of us remember each other <laughs> nope <laughs> okay so basically yeah a bit of a weird one we will kick off with because obviously we had a little chat um I think it was about a week ago now I don't know I'm yeah about yeah probably over a week actually yeah I'm losing all track of time um and I obviously know that you're off sick at the moment so if you don't mind just giving a bit of background about what your what your actual job role is so I'm an adult nurse but I know you're a pediatric nurse so just tell yeah. the us a little bit about um whatever however much you're happy to share really about your role and why you're off sick at the moment so um as I said I'm a pediatric nurse um I've been qualified for well this is I've just gone into my third year of actually working as a nurse because I took some time off after I um qualified wanted that Christmas off didn't I <laughs> so took time off um and then the reason I'm off now um is due to anxiety basically so back in September uh, my nan passed away suddenly and that kind of triggered um something within me that basically um I was absolutely petrified of my dad dying still am but it's that's not the reason I'm off now the reason I'm off work um is because that anxiety kind of um changed into anxiety around COVID and absolutely them being petrified of myself getting COVID or actually my dad getting COVID and what it would do to him yeah. Uh, obviously he's over 50 he's got a bit of weight on him and obviously you hear all the stories basically of what it does to people over 50 and obviously overweight people so um I just couldn't cope with being around people at work how it was affecting how I was actually working as a nurse and um I was washing my hands so much that they were red raw yeah. and itchy um I was wiping things down constantly so I was bugging all my other colleagues as well I didn't want to pick the phone up because I was terrified that someone had picked it up and not wiped it after them it was just getting crazy and I couldn't manage my anxiety I couldn't manage the symptoms of anxiety either so um <clears throat> for my for my health I stepped away from work and have been off work now for six weeks and when you say about managing um, your symptoms, because I know, obviously, and I'm sure you do as well, like anxiety is so different for different people and people have such different symptoms. So I'm sure even like your symptoms will differ to mine. So what, how did your anxiety present as well as the like excessive cleaning? What were the um, symptoms you're experiencing? So it would manifest into thoughts thoughts that I did not want to be having I would feel so sick like I'd be so nauseous I wouldn't be able to eat I wouldn't be able to drink um I'd become extremely restless so I wouldn't be able to sit down um like I'd have to be I was what's the word like wriggling my hands like that's not the word that I'm after but my hands like constantly had to be moving um I like yeah like I was it was like I was having like little panic attacks and I couldn't breathe properly um I would kind of become um quite like not angry but like my mood like one minute I'd be crying the next I'd be fuming at the smallest thing I'd be so angry at the smallest thing um to the next then I'd be crying again and that was getting worse and worse to the point where I would spend some shifts like literally I'd go and do a task and I'd have to go and hide somewhere to cry because my anxiety from having done that task was that high because it had been around a patient or around a parent I couldn't cope I couldn't couldn't cope and so I was just crying and I'd spend the 
time that I was doing that, trying not to cry in front of the parent yeah. so that it didn't look um, like, well, what, what is this nurse doing? Why is this nurse crying in front of me? Um, so, yeah, it was a lot of crying, a lot of, like, feeling very angry, so nauseous, mm. very, very, feeling very, very sick, um, sweats, like I would get so hot and then I'd go suddenly really, really cold. And I was like, oh, my God, do I have COVID? Because I've gone really, really hot and now I've gone really, really cold. So it would then, yeah, manifest the thoughts, basically. And you say this was triggered by losing your nan. So you said you lost your nan quite suddenly in the September. Did Was it COVID yeah. that she had? No, it was um, aortic aneurysm. Um, oh. Out of all the things that I thought was going to pop a clog, so I didn't expect it to be that. I mean, she was a heavy smoker. She was going out still constantly. She was in her 80s. Like She turned 85 on the day she died. Oh. And... Um, yeah I did not think it was going to be something like that. I did think it would be Covid that was um that, that would do it but no I think it's just um it just tr- triggered me because my I think I hadn't dealt with um emotions that I've had from past deaths in my like childhood that I experienced um yeah I think that's probably what triggered it obviously it's the fear of you I've only got one parent and that I think that was the fear that it kind of set off was that yeah I think that's quite people who don't have anxiety I don't think they can really understand or relate or empathize when we say that something triggered us yeah we usually think oh right so it must have been that so even me just for clarification asking you oh did your nan pass away with was it covid because obviously a lot of your anxiety and what we've discussed so far is, has been around COVID and Germany yeah. it and giving it to your dad and that fear of losing your dad. and But it wasn't the fact that your nan had COVID and died of COVID that triggered it. It was the loss. And, yeah. and like you say, like <clears throat> previous traumas and previous losses in your life that in early childhood, we don't deal with or our parents aren't taught how to, you know, take children to agreement or how do children grieve how do what's yeah. the process how do they cope with that and yeah it's and difficult it affects you in adulthood then it does affect you it, you don't realize until something happens to mm. um like trigger so like previously I have had like every now and then thoughts like oh my god what if this happened but it would be fleeting thoughts and it would go away and I could get on with my day-to-day life but I think it was the loss and the fact that it was so quick um I'm older so you process it completely different to how you process it when you're even in your teenage years like you definitely process and cope with it very much differently and then it being locked down as well mm. you're not able to go and be around those people that would normally support you so I haven't been able to be around a friendship group because you know COVID it's too too risky mm. um and yeah that's kind of probably been one of the hard parts I think is you don't have that support net you can't go out and do things that distract you and live a normal life your normal coping mechanisms have been taken away from you like yeah definitely like yeah I can totally relate to that because mine would be a little holiday or a girl's trip or a weekend away or even just a night in with the girls around someone's house pizza and wine and we just it's zoom isn't the same like sitting on no. the zoom, it's that pressure of having to speak and having to talk and when there's six of you in a friendship group and you're all on zoom you don't just have a laugh and go off in your little yeah and have your little chats it's like the pressure is there and you're sharing all these big life events or big things that have happened and you're not it's yeah just not the same it's, at all. it's not um what's the word it's kind of like it's devoid of like the emotions because yeah you're not it's that interaction the physical interaction of just being in the same room as somebody being in the same space as somebody can just help like whereas if you're on the zoom as you say you're in the same environment as what you've been in that's causing all the the issues you can't take yourself away for a little bit and then yeah so that's the I think that's the hard part is and then the other hard part I think is you go back too soon sometimes Mm. when you feel pressured to go back and that doesn't help either is that something you experienced yeah it wasn't work that was pressuring me to go back it was more kind of like because 
my family were dealing with the grief in a different way like they obviously didn't hadn't developed this anxiety that I had developed and when I first went back obviously my anxiety was all in association to my dad catching something or not catching something just dying basically in any which way dying and so I went back after having just a couple of days off after the after she passed away um I went back I had I think I had two days of like I took sickness and then I had a couple of days where I was not on duty anyway and I went back and I hadn't dealt with my anxiety that I was having um around my dad I hadn't dealt with the grief that I was having and then I was back in a work environment where it was very medical and obviously the reason she passed away was medical um with the aorta aneurysm and it was at that hospital she got diagnosed with it it was the hospital that we've been at the night before she passed away and I'd been at the hospital the whole night with her um and then I spent the morning in early part of the afternoon trying to get her home so that she was home for her birthday um and I think going back into that environment before I had even processed everything that happened that week didn't help and then I was seeing blood pressure cuffs and I couldn't cope with the with even just the blood pressure I couldn't cope because it was triggering all my grief and that would trigger thoughts about my nan and then that would trigger the anxiety about my dad and then all the thoughts about my dad would come um and so I didn't I kind of went back because they had all gone back to work my family had all gone back to work my dad had gone back to work he seemed you know sad but was coping and my brother again seemed to be coping so I felt pressured on that front that um, oh maybe maybe me staying off isn't uh, the normal thing to be doing <laughs> type thing so I went back and um yeah it kind of was a bit overwhelming yeah I could completely relate to that I've experienced the exact same thing where I've had relatives die or and or well everything die and be really sick in the hospital I work in and it's really traumatic and you don't kind of anticipate when something traumatic happens to a loved one in your place of work that that isn't normal that's not a normal circumstance and I think as healthcare professionals we we forget that that we see all these traumas and all this heartache and death like you know not every day you know every shift isn't like that but we're in that environment and then all of a sudden in your workplace is your nan is your father-in-law is your sister and it just is a complete game changer in a bad way like mentally yeah how you cope and how you associate even driving up to the hospital yeah it's like you still remember that awful drive when a doctor called you and said he's not going to make it you need to you need to come in or it's those kind of things and again another reason I want to do this podcast is because I want I do want people who don't work at hospitals to kind of feel sorry to yeah you can't get away can you no. that's the thing like a lot of people that have something like that where they go to the hospital and they get given the, the bad news they come away from the hospital then mm-hmm. and then if they go back to work a lot of the time it's in a different in environment so they can kind of forget not forget as such but distract themselves a bit or they don't associate those feelings that they had with their workplace whereas yeah. we can't escape that no because our workplace is where those feelings are, where you got that news or where, you know, sadly someone's passed away there. You're, you're in that environment type thing or and you remember kind of the, the people that told you that news and you sort of like, am I going to bump into them whilst I'm yeah. kind of walking around the hospital? And will they will they remember me? Will they remember that they're the ones that delivered that, that news to me? And in one way, you don't want them to because you don't want them to stop and speak to you. But another, you kind of, want them to at the same time because you want them to check are you okay and stuff like that you it's you're so torn it's so I'm so glad you said that because I have I've had that happen so many times and I've not been able to help myself so like I've bumped into a nurse who cared from, from I'm calling my father-in-law me and Sam aren't married but it's easier that way and yeah I sat and I got into we, we were introduced to one another and then I was like you looked after my father-in-law when you passed away and you were amazing you're really good thank you so much and she was like 
oh my god like really taken about like oh, when was that and I was like it was years ago don't worry sorry you won't remember us <laughs> we were only here for one night do you know it's like but you do yeah. remember them and then that had I don't know about you but that had an impact on me as a nurse and and how I treated people I mean I, I'd like to think I'm a very compassionate and good nurse anyway and look after my patients and my relatives but I was just much more kind of hyper vigilant and aware that they will remember me they will remember my face yeah. they will remember my name they will remember how I spoke to them and how I worded it and how I looked at them and because it is such it's a day so important. for us but for them it's such a significant event it's such a significant yeah. and traumatic life event and you do you, you do bump Definitely. into people that told you they're about to withdraw treatment on a loved one or they're not going to make it and yeah it's really yeah. stressing it's um yeah but I found it kind of um because of the anxiety I found that actually I wasn't really being the normal nurse that I would be so I was aware that I was being not a norm like I'm going to say normal nice but it wasn't my natural it wasn't me being natural it was me going through the motions of ensuring that they they knew that I cared and that I was looking after them to the best that I could yeah. but it wasn't my normal because normally I'm extreme like happy and bubbly and I probably talk way too much for their liking in all honesty because I will just have a conversation with anybody about anything and sometimes they're probably thinking we just go away now <laughs> type thing but I wasn't doing that so mm -hmm. I feel like I lost that connection yeah. um with myself as a nurse and with as a nurse with the patients and the parents like obviously I was still you know playing with them and um was very polite and professional and everything but mm -hmm. I just felt like I um have lost a bit of who I was as like a nurse going, like you say you were going through the motions it wasn't yeah because you weren't I suppose you weren't happy I suppose there was a lot of sadness yeah and it you, we you have to pretend to be happy don't you Oh, that's yeah. the thing and you that have to put on this front pardon that should be in the job spec when you apply to be a nurse in yeah. the job, spec, in job shack job spec <laughs> and tell I'm tired it should say you must always be able to pretend you're very happy yeah oh that's so draining that was the hardest part I think yeah. that was the most draining part was pretending that I was happy and having to pretend not just with the patients and the parents but with my colleagues as well yeah, because you don't want to drag them yeah. down you don't want to bring them down you don't want to bring their mood down like there's a few that literally knew that know me well enough that they could see like yeah. even though I was faking they could see yeah that see through it. I want yeah they could see through it so they did you know they did try and help but there was a lot that um couldn't see and so um it was very hard to keep up that fake act of being happy and because like when I'm at work normally and when I'm you know my normal self I probably annoy people because mm. I will burst out into singing I can't sing cannot sing at all but I will just sing randomly like any song that's in my head I will sing it and I probably annoy people a lot um and I think that's how a few people noticed was because I wasn't doing that I wasn't singing and I wasn't engaging in conversations as I say I'm a proper chatter so I will engage in conversation about anything I wasn't doing that I was taking myself away and I was kind of just withdrawing. standing on my own basically yeah I was withdrawing I was basically finding any hole that I could hide in that's that's what I was doing and um yeah so how have you been since you've been at home then? Since you've been off the last six weeks, how's it been? So up and down, um, just because obviously what my anxiety is about is not just about work, it's COVID. So um, I have good days, I have bad days, like today's been a good day. But even so, there's so many things that trigger just mm -hmm. a small bit of anxiety in me, like receiving a letter. Uh, or a parcel because I'm like oh, now I'm gonna have to open this up then I've got to make sure I don't touch anything and then I've got to make sure that I throw that packaging away straight away and then before I touch anything hand wash or 
alcohol gel type thing just in case there was covid on it um and stuff like that and it's like going to the shops is such a mission now because i'm like okay right what time is going to be the best time that i can go to the shops and there's going to be the least amount of people in the shops Mm. and then putting the shopping away i've got to make sure that i um open whatever i'm going to put the shopping away in first so obviously once i've covered it in alcohol gel my hands open whatever i'm going to pull it in put that stuff away alcohol gel close the door and then open whatever i'm going to put the next lot away in so it's such a big process and such a big task now and i overthink every everything but most of the time when i'm at home i'm i'm okay i'm kind of um a lot more settled and a lot more relaxed than i was when i was when i was at work when i i would spend even when i wasn't at work on my days off i could tell that i was just heightened all my everything was heightened with me and i was like not able to relax and settle at all basically because i couldn't stop my thoughts wandering constantly and it's like my brain wouldn't turn off basically so it's um baby steps at the moment i've managed to go out and do a walk around the block the other day and not run away when i saw somebody so <laughs> that was a bonus you live with your dad i do so i have my own house that i bought last year um took me ages to find the perfect house i knew what area i wanted to buy my house in um so that's why it took me so long because it's quite an expensive area that I want to buy in so I bought anyway found this house back in um March I was like yes buzzing Covid hit didn't it Mm -hmm. but I still managed to get it I got it in the July so it took a little bit longer than I wanted to but I got it in the July and it's um it was a one that I was going to do the whole house up like literally the whole house so got the keys and within like a month the whole house was stripped it was lovely and then um, then we were starting we were doing it up we'd done the lounge um and we were starting upstairs to do it and then um my nan died and then literally lost all motivation to do anything with it so I'm kind of still here but so on one hand I kind of wish I was at my house because I knew then if I was at my house there wouldn't be as much anxiety on one hand because I know that like I wouldn't have to worry about bringing covid home um if i was at work or if i went to the shops or if i had parcels anything like that but on the other hand like it's hard to explain but my anxiety means that i need to be around my dad to make sure he's okay to check in on him um and that sort and so i know if i move out and whilst covid's going on i won't come and see him and then i know then i'll be um not anxious but i'll be kicking myself because I'll be my anxiety will be making me miss out on time spending time with my dad and kind of family time is like everything to me basically um I'm very family orientated so any time that I can get with my family is perfect is amazing so I'm kind of like torn so we are slowly kind of getting back into doing my house but obviously my dad lost all motivation because he just lost his mom and then I lost all motivation because of how extreme my anxiety was like I didn't want to leave the house basically I was leaving the house to go to work and then I was coming back and I was hiding and I was spending my days in bed so it's just getting that motivation back and um um someone stood outside my bedroom door (laughs) um getting my motivation back and also I hate decorating (laughs) Oh, I hate decorating with a passion. Hate it. It's awful. Oh, it's so boring. It is so so boring. Yeah. And like, I just am bored of it now. Yeah. So I, it's I'd like pay someone, but they're they're too expensive, and it is something oh. you can do yourself. Like obviously, yeah. we're near as good as a professional, but a decent professional is thousands of pounds. Oh, so it's, so my dad's really good at that sort of stuff. He's really good. At, DIY anything oh so good um and I've got none of them skills I gained no skills I mean I'm chuffed if I manage to paint a door and it looks good type thing I wouldn't even touch the door he <laughs> I mean I didn't do a good job I missed spots actually so <laughs> that didn't go oh, very so well you literally got a whole house to do 
Yeah, like literally the whole house. Like my kitchen isn't even a kitchen anymore. I'm on in the pro- process of finding a, a kitchen. Uh, I've got carpets upstairs, but that's because I booked them in before before it all. Yeah. So I booked that in like at the start of September and I couldn't cancel it. So I was like, oh, okay. So we've got carpets at least. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Okay, I just yeah. want to go back to something because it's just popped in my head just to clarify mm-hmm. something. Sorry, Isabel. So, are you frightened of you personally giving your dad COVID or of your dad getting COVID off anybody or anywhere? Or- um, It's both. Hmm. It's definitely both. Like, I think, um, I think my anxiety is more, um, I don't know, that's a really good question because I've not really I don't I try not to think about it so I haven't really but I think it is more just in COVID in getting COVID in general but my anxiety when I was at work was me bringing it home from work yeah um but now I'm at home now I'm at home it's more him getting it in general from work or from my brother or brother or my brother's girlfriend who now lives with us um and so that triggers my anxiety because if they're going to the shops too much I mean I'll sound like they probably think that I'm some sort of fucking oh excuse me sorry (laughs) cut me out um they probably think that I am some like proper moody person but it's because my anxiety they trigger it and it makes me angry because basically when she moved in um we set some rules um and they kept going to the shops all the time um they kept going to her parents house and stuff Mm. and I'm like you're going to the shops too many times you're going to the parents too many times you know you're increasing your chances of bringing COVID home um and so that's now kind of what triggers my anxiety now is um people going out and um how often people are going to the shops which is obviously a big place where you potentially could catch it because you have no idea how many people have been there how many people have been there who've got covid how many people have touched the items that you've picked up and brought home and stuff like that so yeah i think before it was me my fear of me having it and giving it to him um and now it's more everybody everything type situation i'm sure isabel's anxieties will resonate with so many of you um it's yeah it's terrifying but i just think she is so brave to one be off work and prioritize her mental health and her self-care and take those steps and reach out for help so we've covered so much from sick leave and to the pressure you put on yourself or that you feel from family members you know indirectly anxiety all the symptoms that come with that death and loss fear the impact of covid on our mental health and i think a big topic that i was really keen to talk about to somebody so i'm so grateful for isabel for referring to this is the impact of our working environment on our personal life it's not normal for people to work in an environment where they lose loved ones or have constant triggers so i'm really glad we spoke about that in the second half we talk a lot about coping mechanisms so again i hope some of you listening find find that really helpful and i will leave you to continue listening to me and isabel well i just wanted to ask you so you've mentioned obviously this is now i think week six that you've been off and it sounds like obviously your anxiety was present before it's not like it just suddenly turned up and then you had six weeks off so it's been ongoing for some time um is there anything you've done or you are doing to kind of um minimize your your symptoms or help your anxiety is there anything that you're doing at the moment so initially um I was using whatever distraction technique that I could possibly use um a lot of it was tv i was watching mindless tv so team mum two for the win um 
that was very good at distracting me. I literally binge watched those 10 seasons and I binge watched, I think within three weeks, nine of the seasons basically, um, because it, it gave me something else to focus on, but obviously that's not a long-term solution. And then I also was given um, medication from the doctor mm-hmm. um, to help with the symptoms, like the side effects of having anxiety. Um, that was like a week a week into kind of after my nan passing that I started them yeah um and was and that then helpful? it was because it min- minimized the um nausea which was um stopping me from eating and drinking basically I didn't eat or drink basically for probably a week yeah. at least um where I would only have nibbles of things and tiny tiny sips because I felt that sick constantly yeah um I couldn't manage kind of or face eating or drinking um and then um obviously at work um I let my manager know just how bad I was feeling um so they got Oki Health involved again but they didn't really do anything with Oki Health um initially there was no really support with Oki Health in that sense um they just gave me a phone call um but nothing really came of it and then I myself phoned up, um, I don't know what the number was at work. There was a number in the our staff room at work where it was kind of like a helpline if you needed help. Yeah. Um, so I spoke to them on one of my shifts, on one of my wor- worst shifts that I'd had um, leading up to me going off and basically cried down the phone. And again, they just kind of did the breathing. They said um, some breathing techniques. Um but I was in such a state that that wasn't something that was going to work for me at that moment in time. Um, and then what I did was there was a, a name of a psychologist that was dealing, like I don't know if it was just our area or, or the whole hospital, I'm not sure, that had been put up because of COVID um, and everything. So I contacted her. And then she put me into contact with one of the occupational psychologists. So I am actually now um, having sessions with um, one, a psychologist from work. Um, initially, um, it, it was once a week, but I think um, she, she realised that she probably needed a little bit more. So I do speak to her normally twice a week. Um, and so obviously she's doing different techniques. Um, a lot of them's breathing techniques mm-hmm. um, and kind of being in the moment and focusing on what I'm doing here and now focusing on what my body's doing and focusing on how I am actually feeling and um going okay so I am feeling this and my brain's telling me that this is happening but actually bringing myself back to the here and now and going yeah I'm fine I'm okay there's nothing actually you know at this moment in time and also trying to like if my my mind starts going into the past and kind of being anxious about what's happened in the past Mm -hmm. telling myself well actually you can't do anything about it now that was in the past you can't change what's happened it doesn't always work um because I think with anxiety once you're associated that memory with anxiety it's going to keep coming back and I do struggle with um stopping the thoughts of going back or going into the future going well what if what is what if this what if that um so that's kind of a hard one um another one was like finding it beneficial though so the speaking speaking to the psychologist and it sounds like mindfulness and meditation it sounds yes yeah that's Um, that's what I practice and I I get a lot out of it but it's taken me a really long time yeah it's very slow um progress um I think I struggle with that sort of thing I struggle to stop my mind drifting mm. and obviously one of them one one of the things is you don't you don't you mind you need to stop your mind drifting and I'm very much a drifter with my mm. thoughts so it's um just learning to kind of bring myself back into the moment um yeah. and I've used the the triangle you know the breathing where you breathe in for one side of the triangle hold it for the next and then breathe out for the other side I have used that when it's kind of been mild anxiety and that has worked because I'm focusing on I, that's all I focus on I focus on picturing yeah. the triangle um 
so that does work I can't do the square I can't hold my like hold my breath and stuff long enough to do a square <laughs> um but yeah I've done that and then obviously she sets little little homework tasks um for me to do and so one of them is to um start going out and um just doing a walk mm. um around the block um and not letting the anxiety um take over and to ensure like I finish the walk and I do set out I do where I say that I'm going to walk around at the moment it's literally around the block and I wear my mask um and using the um technique she's given me of thinking I'm safe there's nothing happening yeah. uh, focusing on what my body's doing um and using the triangle technique of, for the breathing um that's yeah that's really it and obviously I use um a lot of the time I um message my friends to like talk it out yeah um basically and like their feedback kind of helps as well because it either tells me that I'm being completely irrational and I need to um kind of not think what I'm thinking yeah. which kind of kicks me kicks me up the butt a little bit um is it the, like they talk you down they kind of yeah they kind the of talk me down a bit thoughts yeah or sometimes it does help because they're kind of like with me on whatever I'm kind of um feeling anxious about and they're like no no what you're saying is actually very valid and it kind of makes me feel not as crazy as well which is helpful because sometimes you do feel like you're you're going crazy and you're losing your mind and um you feel kind of stupid as well like well I I know I do because you're like why are you feeling like it's not being so stupid type thing like and I know that I feel that quite a lot um especially because until I came into nursing I hadn't really had anxiety and even the anxiety that I had whilst like previously with work was nothing like this anxiety it was on a whole this is on a whole different level and this is everything it's not just work it is my whole life and so I kind of feel like um I don't know how to explain it like that I shouldn't be feeling like this because like it's not physical it's not like I've broke my arm or I've broke my leg or whatever it's in my head and that's the bit that I struggle with the most is coming to terms with the fact that I actually know this is an illness and this needs attention just as much as a broken leg or arm would need attention yeah. and it it's took me so a while hard. it's so hard to think like that though like even myself I've been diagnosed for a few years now and I've had therapy and I'm medicated and I'm you know really open about it but and I'm much more kind of compassionate and empathetic to others with mental health you know conditions and diagnosis but when it comes to me like you've just said I can just feel like a fraudster I just think I'm a, I'm a fraud I just think something wrong yeah. with me. like get a grip this is stupid you're an idiot like why are you lying there thinking about that and something that um a friend told me a friend who went through cognitive behavioral therapy and she was told speak to yourself like you would speak to your best friend and just that just that one little bit of advice has been so good because and I've really taken just that one bit of advice on board I've not had CBT but just that one thing because now if I ever like you know, I'm not very nice to myself mentally and in my head I'm calling myself stupid and pathetic and get a grip and why are you panicking about that for and why are you thinking about that and stop thinking about it and being an idiot. Whereas now I'm like, and I really, really do do this, I'll say, yeah, that is a bit scary. I can see why you're worried, but it'll be all right. Like, look at what you've already overcome over the years. You're going to, it's going to be fine. You've got so-and-so to bounce off. You've got Sam to look after you you've got really good friends around you you're going to be okay there's an ending and just being it because because it's true oh look imagine imagine now if I said to you well yeah you are being pathetic Isabel like you are you are crazy but you are nuts like you you do need to get a grip like and you I would never say that to somebody else and equally you would never say that to me you would want to want to make sure I, I was okay and look after me and we've just got to give ourselves the same the same level of love and attention and yeah 
like you say which we don't do no not at all as as nurses in general we don't do that but especially there's a bit like a stigma around mental health within the healthcare is you can't surely like you're you're a nurse like surely you don't suffer with mental health and um stuff like that when actually we're probably like high percentage of people that you know do suffer from it but we don't talk about it we're not open about it and we hide it because we feel like we have to then we feel guilty for being off work if we do take the time to look after ourselves and it's um getting over that guilt like once I'm off work and I'm I've done the okay I'm not coming into work I feel better but the lead up to it of phoning in and saying that I'm not going to be in my god I think sometimes it's worse than the anxiety that I'm going to go off with sometimes because you feel so so guilty because you know for a fact that um they're short staffed and they need you but if you're there I ain't good if I'm there I ain't any good to you because yeah I'm gonna be a patron yeah (laughs) the mental ward (laughs) (laughs) I'll be one of the inpatients but no I just I think having a good support network as well is um vital um in kind of helping with the anxiety um but sometimes it's hard because mm-hmm. family do take the mick, not in a nasty way, but like it's their way of, I think, coping with it. So they do take the mick and um, and stuff and that kind of is a bit hard. And so it kind of knocks you back a little bit. But if they've not had anxiety, as you say, they don't have the compassion or the empathy to actually deal with it. And if they don't understand the reason behind your um, anxiety, as well they it just yeah makes it a bit harder but then overall hard like look to them because you know they're not going to understand anyway it doesn't matter how much yes. you give how how much you go into it how open you are they're still going to look at you like yeah. what are you on about 100 percent. and then but when they because they're taking the mick and they're having little like to me it's digs to them it's just them having a laugh yeah but to me it's dig- yeah you don't want to open up to them because you're like well are you going to take what I've just said there and in a few weeks time have a little dig about it you know what I mean or take the mick a little bit with what I told you so on one hand like um you're getting support from other areas but then where you kind of need it at home you're not necessarily getting that support and um that makes it harder which is weird because obviously me being at home is supporting me but at the same yeah. time, like them having them digs digs at me, which they don't mean <laughs> it enough. Like, yeah, isn't supportive at the same time. So it's kind of like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, the psych- having the therapy is definitely helping. Mm-hmm. Um, having a psychologist, I've had see, I've had um CBT previously with anxiety that I've had from work before. Yeah. Um, but it was like over a telephone type thing and that kind of I didn't find really helpful because I don't think what so what they were setting me really kind of helped whereas this one because even though it's like over um zoom um it kind of is still face to face as such and also I think um with them being an occupational psychologist so they're in the hospital they know the hospital setting so yeah. they can kind of relate a bit more to to how I'm feeling and understand and they've set set me tasks which are small steps it's not like big steps that they want me to to take um so so my homework for this week um I've just got to go to the hospital just drive don't have to get out yeah just drive and that's to get me back, getting back to work um, and just slowly getting around that environment, which is um, which is good. And then they're even saying, well, I'll meet you. I will meet you and stuff. So I think that's, that's kind of helping good. for sure. I think what you've just made me realise about having that occupational psychologist is their patient group is obviously more than likely mostly healthcare professionals. So 
they are so you they must be used to this patient group they must be used to looking after and supporting nurses and doctors and you yeah. know everybody that works in healthcare and I didn't even think about that I know that sounds might sound a bit stupid but I didn't actually think that there is a difference between you know utilizing a charity a mental health charity or going through your GP or going yeah. to occupational health going through occupational health chances are they're going to be used to look like you say that's so I yeah really so I feel like associate with them a little bit more like you've I feel like um the connection that you need the therapeutic right relationship you need um which you don't realize how important that actually is until you're on the other the other side of it yeah um I think her being able to understand and relate because even though she's obviously she's not a nurse and she's not working on the wards um or anything like that but she's in that environment she's Mm -hmm. working with other people as you say that have got kind of similar reasons to be speaking to her really does help because you just feel like they're more she's um more empathetic um and just more understanding and kind of got an idea of what I need um which is really good because I think if I had someone who didn't come across as knowing what I need and were just setting pointless tasks that weren't going to actually really improve anything I wouldn't be improving and I have seen a bit of improvement in how I'm thinking um whereas before so if I was going to go on a walk so just take last week for example um I went for a walk and I wasn't even able to go around the whole block because um someone had walked on the side of the road that I was walking so I crossed over not a problem that was fine but then when I got to the top of the road someone was walking across the road that I was then going to be walking behind them Mm -hmm. would have been probably like a minute behind them but I could not do it I could not walk behind them whereas so I turned back around and walked back exactly the same way I'd been and went straight back into my house and didn't even attempt it again whereas um this week just gone um I think choose Monday or Tuesday I went out I was like no I'm gonna go out I'm gonna try it again and I did I went around the block and as I was getting to the same point someone was crossing exactly the same part of the road but I said to myself no I don't need to turn back around and I looked at the options that I had I was like well I could just cross over so rather than going walking down the side of the pavement they've walked cross over to the other side and then go down and then cross back over that way to get back down to my street and I did that and I was actually able to go around the block another time. So I have seen improvement because I'm kind of, without even realising that I'm doing it until I think back, I'm taking techniques that she's given me yeah. and kind of grounding myself a bit and thinking through, well, I could do this instead of rather, oh my God, I can't do this, oh my God, and letting the anxiety take over basically. So even though I'm still anxious and, you know, you've got that, pit in your stomach that sick feeling I'm able to still do it so it's a slight improvement um I don't know how I'd cope being around people more than just walking around the street and seeing people at the moment is is that the end goal do you do you want to go back and continue your career as a children's nurse I do yeah I still want to work as a children's nurse yeah um maybe like in the future I know for a fact I probably don't want to be working in a hospital setting I kind of want to go elsewhere with with it but I do want to progress um and maybe specialize potentially there's a couple of areas that are of interest um to me um so yeah I think ultimately it is but ultimately the reason I need to go back is financial as well (laughs) do you know I mean kind of stuck sometimes I feel like I'm a bit trapped as a children's nurse because adults I feel like there's so many more avenues that you could go into like one area that I um did as uh, on a placement I was with the health visitors and below where the health visitors were there was a GP and I went to go and work with the practice nurse Mm. um and I absolutely loved it but when I've been looking at it and stuff, they tend to only take adult nurses for it, yeah. um, which is a bit gutting because actually that was like um, something that I kind of really enjoyed 
um, doing because I did a couple of li little days with her whilst I was on that placement and it was really enjoyable and well, I quite, quite enjoyed that. Hear of adult nurses being able to do like an additional year or two to become a midwife or an adult nurse can go work in neonates or yeah which is crazy That's strange but you can't it's only now that you've said that you can't do the same for the other way around you can't go no. a year or two extra and become an adult nurse or which confuses me yeah. because because as a as a uh, children's nurse we work with all the ages so we still get adults because mm -hmm. let's face it from the age of 12 if you take out, so we use um, Pew's charts, obviously, which is paediatric in rather than, what does any even stand for on news? National. There you go. Um, so we use the Pew's. And if you take one for 12 and over, it's basically the same as what, what an adult's would be. I'm just going to explain that for non-medical or non -medical. Oh yeah, sorry guys. No. <laughs> so we basically have like a little iPad and we go to our patient and we take their blood pressure, check their oxygen levels, record how much oxygen they're on, how many breaths they're taking. So we call that their vital signs. And it then calculates based on certain parameters, a number. So if your blood pressure is high, your pulse is low, your oxygen requirement is high and your saturations are low. And this that, and you, that gives you this number and it's called a news score. So an adult nursing, that is national early warning signs so your new score so i'm guessing pews is pediatric early warning score yeah i don't know why ours is national and yours is pediatric maybe it's because it doesn't make a good word if it's adult early warning score it's like oh yeah maybe maybe so yeah as though i don't know about all all hospitals but i know with hours we don't have the ipads we have literally we're still paper we are still paper because I, I don't know whether it's to do with the fact that we've got so many different ones because we have zero to one uh, one to five five to twelve and then twelve and above of so we've course, got like yeah, because they're parameters, like, going to be so yeah different. so different so so different so we've got four different ones so whether that's because it's too hard to put that onto an ele electronic system which is why it's taking so oh, much longer yeah. so we don't have kind of um the vital pack or whatever it's it's vital pack isn't it yeah. i think it's called so we don't have that um i can't remember what i was saying now Oh, it's just how much you don't know about different types oh of that was it yeah and so like obviously we deal with um basically adults but they're obviously not adults because they're not over the age 18 but and we can't then go into adults to do stuff but it's like but actually like yours like isn't simpler as such but it's more straight standard yeah, yeah more standard. it's more standard yeah. So you know that the antibiotics you're going to give is this, whereas in kids it could be this or this or this or that, depending on how old they are and depending on their weight and stuff. It does vary quite a lot. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's easy. That's not at all what I'm saying. Um, but I just no, feel but I like you because I completely never thought I never thought of that. It's only because this week, well today. I was training the new score to a paediatric nurse as part of the fundamental tools training because obviously staff are being redeployed left, right and centre. Yeah. So paediatric nurses are... So one of the paediatric wards is being turned into an adult ward and the paediatric oh. nurses are having to up... I say upskill, they call it upskilling, but it's not upskilling, yeah. is it? It's just learning the... You're just learning new... Yeah, different skills. Yeah. And the paediatric nurse... That was in the training today she was saying about that and about how you know all these different ages and different parameters and yeah it is it is just sound a lot harder <laughs> it's just it's what once you've got the pews in front of you it's obviously you know you know exactly but once you've done it quite a few times you kind of remember remember it but yeah. with adults you've just got that one thing but it confuses me how they can go from being adult trained where the parameters and drugs and everything are so different mm. to then a neonate. That's what, yeah. that's what like the smallest of the small from the biggest of the big. 
Yeah. Like, crazy. it's crazy. Yeah, Absolutely crazy. Like, how are those? I've looked, but this is because I've got a like, complete lack of experience or knowledge of neonatal nursing. But I just think, how are those skills transferable? Yeah. I mean, they and look- I, I don't know. I've not worked in neonates to know. I've, I've obviously worked with babies, but they've not been, they've been either too old to go into neonates mm-hmm. or um, they're not poorly enough to be in neonates. So, it's just so confusing how because obviously they're like heart rate so different their blood pressure so different their rest rates sorry guys there <laughs> i'm going into a bit of a <laughs> yeah, everything literally everything. But everything's so different it bamboozles me yeah. that that's happening but yeah but i do enjoy that sorry I was going to say, but I do enjoy obviously working with children like much more than I probably would adults. I don't know if I could um, do adult nursing, but yeah, whereas I feel the opposite, like I'd just be, I'd see a, a child poorly, I think I'd just spend all day crying. Oh no, there's so much fun because kids are one they're of those more resilient, aren't they? I bet oh, they're my... sitting yeah. there crying and moaning and feeling sorry for themselves, and that's not me saying that all adults do, but yeah, children are less aware of that illness and even if they do do it they are distracted so quickly that one moment they can be really really upset and the next they're like smiling playing and you're like that is why I've chosen to work with children (laughs) (laughs) except for when they're screaming the place down and you're like please please stop screaming or you have to go and give them some medicine you're like oh my god this kid does not like taking this medicine and I know it's well, going to be a battle break loose. <laughs> and you're like oh my god and you're kind of like anyone want to do this with me anybody <laughs> do you want to do it oh the best one is like if there's a student you like experience <laughs> this will be, be good for you lesson. to <laughs> yes oh, and, you know, like, it is sometimes my favourite thing, and this is because I'm now in an educational role and I've been in, I was a clinical trainer before, so I've been in like the odd educational role. My favourite thing when I've got a student or someone like really new, when they ask me a question and they're like, oh, um, so I was just wondering, I've got to do this and blah, blah. So, so, so what's the answer? Like, how do I do that? Or, and I'm like, where do you think you could find out? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. put, it back, put it back on them but make yes. it like you know the answer yeah even though I have no idea so I usually end that sentence with and when you found out you can come and tell me what you've learned yeah <laughs> if they come and ask me questions and I'm like oh god I don't actually know the answer to that I'd be like well do you know what would be the best thing is actually if you go and research it yourself because Directed it's me nothing. just telling you isn't going to necessarily stick in your mind so if you yeah. go and actually read it and then I will sometimes go well did you find that out and if they tell me I'm like yes I've got the answer <laughs> or like if they're doing the medicines and like they're they're unsure of them unsure of what they're doing I'm like no just trust in what you're doing read through read the drug cardex and read our um oh my god um bnf the <laughs> what's it called british national formula is it or something like what's it stand for <laughs> wherever the wherever we get our, our answer for the like, drugs from it should call it the drugs dictionary that would have been so basically because that's basically what it is isn't it yeah. i'm like read through it double check it get your phone out use the calculator i'm literally like <laughs> I don't, i'm really mean but like if i give them the answers it's not going to help really is it oh yeah no see you just sound like you're being a good educator whereas i just don't know the answer <laughs> oh no some of the, most of the time I don't know the answer like how much do I need I'm like um let's have a look in the book <laughs> well, we need to double check <laughs> which isn't probably the well it is it's educational but I have to remember not to take over when they're doing the medicines though yeah. you know when you're in a bit of a rush to get the medicines out and they're like because obviously you just get used to it don't you get to it drawing the syringe back to get rid of the bubbles and everything and like they take forever to do it because they want to be so perfect and everything and you're I'm like oh, don't don't take over don't take over yeah you've got to be <laughs> patient 
yeah insanely patient which which i was struggling with as well because we had we um went on days where you're anxious you ain't got the patience for it do you you don't have the the time you like you don't you don't want it yeah (laughs) it's really difficult and then, then you feel bad because you're like I'm being such a poor teacher I'm not teaching them anything <laughs> <laughs> so oh, I'll just send them away <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much to Isabel for our lovely conversation and for her honesty and openness and sharing with us, um, especially in such a difficult time. And I've been there being off sick with stress and anxiety and yeah, I, I know how difficult it is. So I really, really appreciate the, the time and yeah just how she articulated everything and shared everything with us i'm really really grateful and i hope it has helped some of you guys out there anyone going through something similar loss grief anxiety ocd or just the guilt of being off sick at the moment or the pressure of being off sick at the moment and we talked about lots of coping mechanisms and things that work for us i will try and make sure i link to some resources in the show notes so please 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 remember to subscribe rate review it makes a massive difference to where i am in the charts and that is really important because i am loving my life recording these podcasts and speaking to everybody and i would love to do more of it so thank you so much for listening to me and I hope you enjoyed this episode and have a good week, everyone. Stay safe.